0: The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 144. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. If you're struggling with the MCAT, go to freemcatgift.com and download our free report with tips and tricks on how you can master your MCAT preparation. If you're struggling with your application, with your personal statement, with your interview prep, go to... Join the academy.net and join our wait list if we are not open. Join us if we are open or shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net if you would like some one-on-one coaching information. If you thought last week's podcast with Sylvia was inspirational, was encouraging, was amazing, this week's podcast with Ashley is going to blow your mind because Ashley... Has seems like she's been through everything that Sylvia's been through, and maybe a little bit more. I don't want to compare, but she's gone through uh, her obstacles, including getting two master's degrees and getting rejected from medical school a couple times. Uh, Let's get into that talk with Ashley. Ashley, welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. How are you?
1: I'm fine. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you. I want to start by talking about when you first knew you wanted to be a doctor.
1: Well, when I first knew I wanted to be a doctor, um, I've always known from a little kid. It's always something that I wanted to do. My mom would tell me stories about when I'm three, four years old saying, you know, mommy, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a doctor. So once I had that in my mind, like from elementary school on through that's always been my path it's always been my goal and it's something that i strive for i went to a a a medical magnet program in high school because i knew i wanted to be a doctor so i've always pretty much known that that's what i wanted to do
0: wow what it what was involved with the medical magnet program um
1: i mean pretty much we took uh Some science courses. We talked about the history of medicine. We um, talked about forensic medicine. It wasn't, it wasn't a very in-depth program because um, there was a similar program at a school in the the county next to mine, and that county, their program was more in-depth. Like they actually um, sent students on like seminars or you know, had opportunities for them to get community service hours in the hospital or what have you. My program wasn't that in-depth, but I mean, at least the program that I was in, they tried to give us as much information. I wish they would have went more in-depth with, you know, shadowing opportunities or more resources and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, it looked good on the application, I guess, for undergrad. So,
0: you know. So that sounds uh, like a pretty amazing program. It, it sounds like maybe the the one next to you might have been a little bit better, but still more experience than than a quote unquote normal high school program. So that's awesome. Right. Right. Was Was there any point in there where you kind of wavered or you second guessed your uh, uh, decision to be a physician?
1: No, not at all. Never. Okay. I, I was always solid on it, and. Um, you know, I knew at that point, I'm like, okay, well, I'll do the magnet program, then I'll go to college for four years and get into mad school. So that was always my plan. It's that easy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I thought, you know, in high school.
0: So, so let's talk about that. So you're in high school. Uh, What were you doing to get information about maybe some necessary steps or what it was like? Were you reading any blogs or reading books? What, what was that like?
1: Well, I wasn't reading any blogs, wasn't reading any books, just, um,
0: watching Grey's Anatomy.
1: It, it probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and just going off of, okay, high school, college, med school and thinking it was really like a stepwise, simple process like that. Okay. Um, and, um, even advisors at school, I didn't really talk to them much about it because I, I really felt like I had it figured out. And, you know, now I understand how ignorant that thought really was, <laughs> you know, not seeking not seeking as much help as possible to really, you know, get information and get insight on what the process is really like. But up until that point in high school, it's like, you know, anything that I've ever strive for, anything academically that I ever strive for. Like I made A's easily. I got into programs easily. So I thought Mm -hmm. that's how life would go. Easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: It's, it's so funny listening to you talk because I was exactly the same way. It's like (laughs) school's pretty easy for me. I do pretty well on tests. This Mm -hmm. is, is, I, I'm a social person. I'm, I'm good to go. Um, but yeah. And all right. So we'll dig in a little bit more, but I, I don't blame a high school student for not seeking out that information because it's still high school, but, mm-hmm. but I'm amazed. There are many high school students that listen to this podcast. I I did a recent survey and I, I think it's like 10 or 12%. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but wow. 10 or 12% of my listeners are high school students. And that just wow. blows my mind. Yeah, and I, but, I know some of them like Saxton and David. Hi guys. Um, yeah. Saxton actually is is off to college soon. He might be starting soon. but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's amazing and and I applaud them for seeking out that information, all mm-hmm. this information early. Yeah,
1: so. it's, the earlier you start, the better.
0: Okay. so uh, again, you, you use the word ignorant. I would agree. it's it's kind of ignorant. I was ignorant uh, uh, on the whole journey and path and what it took. So I'm guessing when you applied to colleges, you didn't put much thought into what colleges um, or what college you wanted to go to based on maybe um, its ability to get you into medical school.
1: No, not at all. Okay. Not one bit. And I only applied to, I'm from South Florida, so I applied to only schools in Florida, didn't want to venture out, didn't want to leave the state. Okay. Um. I got into every school I applied to, so I was just, you know, go to college, do my four years, go to med school. Like.
0: And what yeah. what uh what undergrads did you end up going to?
1: I ended up going to Florida State.
0: Oh, I should have asked before we got on this
1: call.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Maybe by my uh by my Skype username. I went to University oh, yes. of Florida.
1: I I noticed. <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: So all right. No, I won't hate too much.
1: <laughs> Not too much. I don't uh. get into the football rivalries.
0: <laughs> though, but. Oh, it's m- more beyond, much, much <laughs> more beyond football. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So you go to Florida State. What What did you do stepping foot on campus, knowing you wanted to go to medical school? Do you remember what you started doing then to kind of start lining up everything for you to get in?
1: Um. Well, I I remember speaking with an advisor like my first semester and they gave us um, like a whole like a plan for these are the courses or the courses that are required in order to get your degree because I um, majored in biology. So these are the courses that you need that are required. Um, I remember going to a seminar on campus about the students for the students who wanted to go to medical school, I don't even remember much information from it. I was probably half listening at the time because I'm still thinking like, I know I'm smart. I'll get good grades. I'll do well on my exams and I'll get into school. So, um, yeah, basically I navigated that process like completely by myself with scheduling my classes with, um, you know, I didn't get advice on what classes should I take with what to make sure that I maintained a good GPA or that I wasn't taking, you know, crazy science courses together, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I didn't seek as much as advising as I should have. I really just navigated that process myself. I didn't get in too involved with organizations either because I felt like, Oh, I have time. I have time. And then it's like, now it's my junior senior year. And it's like, like Oh crap. I haven't done anything. So, um, I ended up doing a work study at a nonprofit organization for um, people who were HIV, AIDS positive. And I did that for like a year. But that was like in summary, you know, as far as academics and um, extracurriculars, what I did. And there was was one organization I did join, but I wasn't very active in it. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of pointless, but I got a cool t-shirt out of it, I guess.
0: And and early on, did you know that doing those extracurriculars were important?
1: No, not at the beginning. Okay. Um, it wasn't until I actually opened up the AMCAS application <laughs> that I was like, "Wow, like this is extensive, and I should have done more."
0: Okay. All right. We'll we'll get to that, but I wanna I wanna talk what what happened uh along the way from from freshman year to opening up that amcas application what sort of challenges did you did you have in that time period
1: um mainly the challenges i had were um dealing with my course load um one semester see if I can remember exactly what I had. Like I had organic chemistry, organic chemistry lab. I had like molecular biology and I had another, another class and it was, it was like crazy. Like the load that I took and it was like a whole lot. And, you know, I also dealt with, um, my grandfather passed and then I also had another family member, my cousin, he was actually a victim of homicide, So dealing with that and still trying to go through my courses and keep up with everything. So that was a lot to deal with. And my grades definitely suffered because I tried to go at it alone. I tried to deal with everything myself and I didn't really get advising or get help or or, you know, lessen my course load so I can work things out personally dealing with two deaths in my family at that time. So and over my whole 4 years I actually had 3 family members pass in my family. So that was a lot to deal with.
0: I bet that's uh that's a lot for anybody and mm-hmm. it's a lot for uh, a pre-med student who uh, were held to the standard of needing to basically be the best that we can be. Right. Um and so yeah, that's that's hard. So when you when you open up this Ampcast application and you're ready to apply what sort of gpa were you looking at right then
1: at that time my science gpa was probably like a two eight
0: okay and again being as ignorant as you were and as ignorant as i was were you going eh no problem
1: right because i was like okay some these some in schools are saying like oh at least a three zero like okay well it's it's close it's close <laughs> it's not at a three zero but it's close yeah so, okay you know
0: all right awesome so let's let's start talking about your Amcast application because I read a little bit on your blog about your initial Amcast application mm-hmm. and the timeline of it so go through the mindset of of. When you start opening up the application to fill it out, and then as as we kind of already talked about, realizing all these extracurriculars that you're supposed to be entering and and letters of rec, go th- go through some of that.
1: Okay, so I probably opened up my AMCAS sometime that summer, um, at latest August, maybe, but definitely sometime that summer. So I'm going through the application. I'm realizing how extensive it is, how much information they're asking for. And so I start filling things out and then I'm like, okay, now I need letters of recommendation. At that point, you know, I wasn't very active. I was the student, like I go to class, I go home. I didn't really ask questions, didn't go to office hours. So my professors did not know me. Mm -hmm. So it was a scramble trying to find First of all, find professors that I at least got an A or a B in their class. And because (laughs) And that was hard because
0: you had a two point (laughs) eight.
1: Right. So most of my classes I had, you know, C's, some Bs. Um and classes where I may have had like an A, it was like in like an English or like a math. And I'm like, okay, well, these schools are asking for, you know, basic science professors. So that was a task to try to find that. So um, and how remember, did you how
0: did you go about finding or asking for those letters?
1: Um, I I remember sending out emails to my professors, and I would tell anybody from my experience, please don't do that. <laughs> um, it's not professional, and it doesn't look great either. Um, but I was nervous because I was like, well, if they tell me no, I would rather hear no via email than hear no to my face. So that's why you know i didn't want to
0: <laughs> are you are you saying you don't like re- like rejection
1: right i was i was <laughs> nervous of getting that rejection yeah. but um however throughout the process um i did have some notes one professor actually wrote me like like a whole paragraph on why he would not write me a letter do you um, remember
0: why what, what were his reasons
1: His reasons were basically sending an email is unprofessional. He doesn't even know me. He knows nothing about me to put in this letter. He doesn't even remember me in class. And I got a B, like I did, I got a B minus in his class. And Mm -hmm. he was like, that grade is mediocre. Yeah. So, you know, I need to find somebody else who knows me better and where I did better in their class. Yeah. So, um. Okay.
0: So, so I want you to, to try to put yourself in those shoes of opening that email And did you want to, like, punch this guy in the face and tell him he's an idiot for for being so mean to you?
1: Yeah, I was upset. Like, it was, it made me, I was sad. I was upset, like, because I felt like as much as he felt like I was unprofessional for emailing him that, I felt like he was also unprofessional for going off on me like that in the email. Mm -hmm. Like a simple no, a simple No, I don't know you that well. You should find someone else who knows you better. That would have been sufficient. Yeah. But after I got over my initial emotions, I remember saying to myself, like, I'm never going to forget this guy's name and I'm going to become a doctor and I'm going to show this guy whether he knows it or not. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. But would you now agree that all of his reasons for not writing you a letter were great reasons to not write you a letter? Yeah, they were. Okay.
1: They were really good reasons. Um. And maybe because he wrote it via, he may not have been trying to be mean when he yeah. said it, but you can't tell how someone's tone when you're reading an email, you're yeah. just reading it how you perceive it. Correct. So, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have at least went to him so that he could have explained that to me, to my face yep. so that maybe I could have had a better understanding of that.
0: And and those were all uh, amazing reasons and, and something mm-hmm. For for you listening, if you are applying next year, start asking your professors for letters of recommendation. Number one, because they take a long time to write, and number two, yes. because you might get rejected from some, and so you have to go find others. And as as you Ashley have said, and as I've said many times on this podcast before, you need to get strong letters of recommendation from somebody who knows you, from somebody obviously that you've you've performed. Very well in their class. Maybe you've done research with them, whatever it may be. Um, but don't don't just email a random professor that you got to see and, and ask for a letter of recommendation, right? <laughs> Especially, and, and this is probably another another point where he he might not have said in his email. But these professors know the timelines for applying to medical school because they get a rush of of people asking for letters of recommendation, mm. and so he was probably extra. Uh, mad that you're asking probably well later than everybody else, and mm-hmm. and he he might have um, been a little mad that that maybe you didn't have your stuff together. Definitely. Okay. So your your letters of rec maybe didn't go very well. Uh, your extracurriculars, we said, were kind of sparse. Right. Um, how did you work on your personal statement? What was that like?
1: Um on my own, like much of everything I did in undergrad, um, looking back on it. Now I realized how weak my personal statement was because the way I approached it, I kind of did it like a timeline from, you know, since stage age of three, I wanted to be a doctor. And then it ended with, you know, me being in college, but the stuff I talked about, did not show them that I was passionate about medicine. It didn't show them that I cared about serving people. It was just me rambling about childhood dreams in a sense. I, and that I, I think that on top of other things being weak, my personal statement just, you know, was the icing on the cake for weakness. Like it did not help my application at all.
0: Yeah. I, I love the word that you just used. It did not show them that's mm-hmm. a, another thing that we stress a lot is showing them and not telling them. Right. That's great. Okay, so again, another point where uh, maybe you didn't do the best job on, on that initial application. When did you finally submit your application?
1: I submitted my AMCAS, like, if the deadline was December 31st, 11.59 p.m., I submitted my AMCAS, like, December 31st, 11.58 p.m. Hey, it was
0: you beat the deadline, right? Right,
1: <laughs> right. Like, it was at the last minute, at the very last minute.
0: And and that would have worked if you were applying for undergrad. Right. Or applying maybe for a quote-unquote regular graduate school. hmm But you, again, not understanding the process. You didn't understand the, the whole rolling admissions thing. Right, and maybe there weren't any seats left by the time you applied,
1: possibly, yeah, yeah, that's true,
0: okay, so and and there were some issues with your application, right?
1: yes, um, when I filled in my coursework, I only inputted the courses that you needed to get into medical school, like your biologies, your chemistry, so forth, and so on. Oh. I did not list every single class oh. I had ever taken
0: oh that's right, so.
1: Yeah. So it got kicked back to me after they verified it. And they were like, wait a minute, your stuff is incomplete Mm because you're missing certain courses. And what I learned at that point is if you're missing like a class or two, AMCAS will fill it in. Mm -hmm. But if you're missing 10, 20, 30 classes, they're not going to do that. They're going to kick it back to you. And, you know, they're going to say it's discrepancies with what you put in and with your transcript. You need to put in every single class. Mm -hmm. So because they sent it back to me. At that time, I had only applied to like a handful of schools in the state and a couple out of the state. And that means I missed all my deadlines and I had to call every single school and ask for an extension. So about half of the schools actually gave me one. The other schools were like, listen, we've already gotten in thousands of applications. You're bad for doing stuff wrong. Try again next year. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you apply that that first year super late, mm-hmm. very unprepared. Um, we we skipped over another part that um, that's important with the application at, at, with the MCAT. How how did the MCAT go? How did you study for it? How how well did you do?
1: Um, I bought a book and I went through the book on my own, um, pretty much from front to back. I probably did. Did two practice tests, and then I went and took it, and I got a twenty-three.
0: Okay, and you when were I, happy with that?
1: I, I was. Okay, I felt I thought that was, I thought that was pretty decent. It's like, okay, well, the national average is a twenty-five, so you know, <laughs> I felt like I did good, but not realizing mm. that that was just for all MCAT takers, and that right. the average for matriculated students was much higher. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So, we've we've learned a lesson I'm I'm assuming you, that you didn't get in this first time that you applied.
1: Did not get in.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> not welcome.
1: even an interview.
0: <laughs> welcome to the club. I welcome <laughs> to the club. I did not get in my first time either. And, and a lot of it was very similar reasons. I was very ignorant to the whole process. Uh my volunteering consisted of sitting in a an information booth at the hospital pointing people to the elevators. That was <laughs> that was my volunteering. Right. Um okay, so where did we go from here?
1: Um, I graduated from Florida State. Uh, went back home. Um, at this point, like I know, I still want to be a doctor, but I'm like, I have to figure out what I'm what am I going to do next. So, you know, I talked to my parents. I talked to my um, my aunts and uncles, and um, someone they suggested, okay, well, if you go back to school. Cause I knew my GPA was a problem, so I'm like, okay, well, if I go back to school, then that'll that'll help me in that area. I applied for uh, foren- two forensic science programs. One was at FIU. The other one was in in New York at SUNY. Um, didn't get into either, uh, and I figured my science GPA, my well, my GPA in my biology program is low it's below a 3.0 so it's going to be extremely hard for me to get into any you know science-based masters like whether it's forensic medicine biology chemistry whatever um so at that point I figured that for me going to an HBCU which is which stands for historically black colleges and universities may have been beneficial for me as a you know black female so I ended up applying to FAMU, which is Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, mm-hmm. to their public health program, and I got into that. Okay.
0: All right. I've been to a FAMU football game. <laughs> very, very amazing marching band.
1: Yes, the best part of the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's who's the other um, big marching band that they play every year?
1: Um, Bethune Cookman. Yeah. Yes.
0: Bethune-Cookman, FAMU, I went to that game at, in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you start a public health program. Is this a master's of public health? Yes. Okay. So uh, the master's doesn't help your undergrad GPA. No. But it's mm. a separate thing. And and for, for those listening, when you apply, there's your undergrad GPA and then there's a, a graduate GPA that's separate a master's and other stuff GPA so mm-hmm. okay so you you go to a master's program in public health um how many years is that program two years okay so you kind of put the the medical school dream on hold for two years and yes. I hope technically
1: you- technically like three because in between graduating the Florida State and starting my master's I mm. was home for a year Yeah. so yeah
0: okay alright what what were you doing in that interim and during your uh, MPH days to help strengthen your application?
1: Um, during that year that I was off, I wasn't. I didn't do anything uh, clinical. Um, when I tried to apply for jobs at a lab or something, I never got never got an interview. Never got hired. Um, I ended up working at the gap for like nine months. Um, then I went over. Got into the MPH program at FAM. Um, what I did there, I joined, I was more active with organizations. Um, and, you know, I was a part of, part of eBoard. Um, I did more community service, which the public health program really helped a lot with community service because we were required to do at least 100 hours in order to graduate. So that helped with getting community service. And then um, I found out that uh, it was a doctor at FAMU's clinic. She was she independently did like her own pre-med shadow program. So I put in the application and through that I was able to shadow two doctors, Wow! which gave me that shadow because before that I had never shadowed a doctor. So that gave me shadow experience. I shadowed a cardiovascular surgeon and OBGYN. And also through working with her, I met up with another group of girls that she introduced me to, and we started an organization on campus that was uh, specifically directed at promoting more uh, minority women in health sciences, whether it be if you want to be a doctor, a PA, uh, go to pharmacy school. So that was, so we started an organization like that on campus. That's amazing. Yes.
0: Now you have stuff to put in your extracurricular box.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome. Okay, so you get through your MPH program, and you did you apply again? Right, right when you were hoping to get out of your MPH program and start medical school.
1: Yes. Um, I app- I graduated with my MPH April of 2012, and I put um, I started my M class that summer of 2012. but I also knew that I had to retake my MCAT Mm -hmm. and all while graduating, knowing I have to retake my MCAT, um, starting an AMCAS over. I was also pregnant during that whole time. So that summer I took, I enrolled in a um, Princeton review course. Okay. Um, so I did my Princeton course and, um, this time I took more practice exams. Um, and it's then key. when I, you're right, when I uh, took my MCAT again in August, um, at that time I was about six or seven months pregnant, and um, I ended up getting a twenty four at that time. Wasn't extremely happy with the overall score, but you know, it was a slight improvement. But I wish I would have done better.
0: Um, was, was that score consistent with what you were getting on your practice tests?
1: Yes. Like on my practice exams, I would usually get like 21, 22, like in between like a 20 or 22. So then when I took my exam, I ended up getting a 24. Okay. So I, I, that was pretty consistent with, um, um, what I was getting. Okay. Um, however, what I learned from that process, with talking to other people as well, I was really—you you,
0: learn that it's hard to take the MCAT and and fill out the AMCAS and finish your MPH while pregnant.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I would
0: have assumed that, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> and and oh.
1: really with um the MCAT prep, like I did a lot of content-based, like yeah. doing questions helps a lot better than just focusing on just straight content.
0: Yes. You can, you can say that a hundred times and, and 50% of the time it'll go in one ear and out the other for some reason. Okay. I, I can't imagine everything that you were going through, um, trying to finish your master's, trying to study for the MCAT, trying to, to, to fill out the MCAS and write your personal statements as well as taking care of yourself and, and a baby that you're growing inside you. That's right. That's incredible. Okay. All right. So you submit your application. I'm assuming things went a little bit smoother. You didn't submit it on on deadline day.
1: No, but it was it was still late because I submitted it in October, like a couple of weeks. I gave birth to my daughter in October and mm-hmm. I submitted the application a couple of weeks after that. Oh. So like mid-October. So still late, yeah. but better than the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Congratulations on the baby. Oh, thank you. Um, okay. So how did that go? Uh, getting secondaries? Did you get an interview request at that point?
1: Um, I was able to complete more secondaries the second time around than I did the first time because it was so late, you know, with the deadlines. Um, didn't get any interviews either. Um and when I talked to an advisor at Florida State's medical school, in her opinion, she felt as though, like, yeah, you 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 did better. Your personal statement could still be a little bit better. Yeah, you see, we have you have these extracurriculars, but you know your science GPA is still weak. Like, you need science courses to bring your GPA up. And she, GPA up. And she said, preferably, I need you know, upper level, like graduate level type science courses. So her suggestion was to just enroll in some courses, um, do like a semester or two of just taking courses and then reapply because she felt like everything else was okay. Um, financially for me, that didn't work because, you know, I had a kid, so I, I don't have money to just be, you know, throwing you know, hundreds of dollars at courses. And, you know, so that's when I ended up taking another year off. And then I started looking up post-bac programs, a master's of biomedical sciences programs. Um, since like at that point, my weakest point was just my GPA. Like I had worked on everything else and I can continue working on everything else, but I really need to improve my GPA.
0: Okay. All right. So what was that next step?
1: Um, I applied to quite a few uh, post back and master of biomedical sciences programs. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting accepted to Berry University in um, Florida, and I did two years of their biomedical sciences program. And throughout those two years, I maintained like three six GPA.
0: Amazing, which.
1: Um, helped bring me up over that 3.0 mark when I finally did apply to medical school again. Mm-hmm. And um, that application cycle, well, I'm here in medical school now, so it was successful for me.
0: Oh, you ruined the surprise.
1: Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs>
0: that's okay. Yep. <laughs> I, I actually want to go back and ask you something. So you, you said you maintained a 3.6 through your your the biomedical science part, mm-hmm. this, this later part. Looking back on your undergrad years where you had like a 2.8ish, was it that you struggled with those classes or were you not motivated to do as well as you could? Did you not understand the importance enough? Um or or was it part partly? I mean, we you did say at one point that you just you kind of overloaded your semesters and it was a little bit right. hard to juggle everything.
1: Right. I did overload my semesters and dealing with, um, you know, the deaths that I had in my family. But to be honest, I didn't have any study skills. I did not know how to come home from class and sit down, make a study plan and study. Because from high school, okay, I study the day before the test and I go to the test and I make an A. So I thought I can do that in undergrad. Clearly, that did not work for me and I didn't make any, I didn't adjust how I should have. And then when life happens, that didn't help either. So when I did my program at Barry, um, I went in day one saying, I'm going to make a study plan. And what I'm going to do six days a week, I'm going to study at least five hours a day, six days a week. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I did. And I would go in my calendar, write down what I'm going to study, what I'm going to study. Um, And repetition helps as well. Like not just looking at something once or just two days before the test, like really going through it over and over again, quizzing yourself. You know, that's what I lacked in undergrad. And I notice sometimes that's an issue with students who are like me who high school, you made all A's, but then you get to undergrad and it's like, you don't have those proper study skills, so I think that was the biggest problem besides the other issues. But if if I had better study skills, I think it would have been as bad.
0: Okay, okay. I, I like you. You did mention um, adjusting that you didn't adjust, and we mm-hmm. again, it's a, something else that we talk about a lot on the show is course correcting. Like at the end of every semester or at the end of every month, figure out how you did that last month, and exactly and. and change if if it didn't go how you wanted it to go um okay so you are take for for another two years this master's of biomedical uh, science um what did did you take the mcat again no okay so we have we have your 24 so your mcat's kind of running out on time right hmm. um it, how did you choose what schools to apply to this time around
1: uh, this time around I used the um I was on the tip of my tongue. It's on the AAMC's website the like M Yes.
0: Kay.
1: I pay it's like thirty dollars. Yep. Like the paid. best thirty dollars <laughs> I've spent yep. you know throughout that process. Fr- freshmen should
0: be signing up for this yes, every year.
1: Because what it does is you get to see every MD school in every single state and you get to see what their stats are for you know the averages average GPAs of students accepted to this school the average MCAT scores of students accepted to the school you also get to see what their selection factors may be their demographics um, right. like some schools are bigger at accepting people with masters other schools not so much so you get to see this array of things and then decide who do my numbers fit with? And when I applied this time, I had, I did some reach schools too, but still the majority of the schools I applied to, my numbers fit in their ranges. These are the students for GPA, MCAT scores, extracurricular, so forth and so on that they typically accept. Because what I learned too, like, Sometimes if you don't get in, it's not so much that they don't think you don't have the ability. You're just not maybe a fit for their mission or a fit for th- the class that they're trying to put together. Yep. So that was very helpful.
0: Did you only apply to MD schools?
1: No, I did. I applied to MD and DO schools.
0: Okay. How many total did you apply to? Total, um, 25
1: to 30. Okay.
0: That's right on right on par with average. If applying to both, um, mm-hmm. okay. You applied. When did you submit your application?
1: I submitted my AMCAS in July this wow, time.
0: Wow, look at that!
1: <laughs> like I was, I had everything together. I revamped my personal statement, so it was like a hundred times better. Submitted that in July, and then I submitted a comas in about like end of August, beginning of September, okay. somewhere around there.
0: So that went a little bit later, but yeah, juggling two applications and a a child and still school work and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Okay. Yeah. How, uh, you, you talked about tweaking your personal statement. Uh, I'm assuming at this point you realize that you can't go it alone. What kind of resources were you using for your personal statement and other stuff?
1: Um, I got some advice from the advisor that I had kept in touch with at Florida State Medical School okay um, and also a friend of mine who he had gone through a PhD program so I asked him to you know look over my personal statement and give me his opinion and what he helped me do was really to show them that, I'm passionate about medicine. These are the things that I have done and the, and the reasons why I feel like what I've done shows that I will be a good doctor or I will be a good candidate for your medical school. Okay. So that helped my personal statement a lot.
0: Okay. So you submit, um, much earlier this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You fill out all your secondaries. How many interviews did you get?
1: I got two interviews. Um, one at an MD school and one at a DO school.
0: Okay. And how did those interviews go for you?
1: Uh the first interview was at the M D school and I got that like pretty early. Like I got that interview in like November. Um, went to the interview. Eight weeks later I found out that I did not get accepted.
0: Okay. So how did you prepare uh, for that interview?
1: Um I consulted with, I met this, um, I actually met this girl on a, on a flight to Chicago and she happened to be a current medical student. Mm -hmm. So we exchanged phone numbers. So I just, you know, spoke with her about, um, tips that she can give me since she was, she had already gone through the process. And I also spoke to another one of my friends who he had gotten into Florida state, but Florida state has like, uh, they have a bridge program. So he got into their medical school through their bridge program. Mm-hmm. So I talked to him to get his perspective from going cause since he had just recently went through the application process and interview process, so forth and so on to get his perspective. And, um, I also looked on blogs and, and such online about, um, you know, what what you should wear, how you should carry yourself. Um, Possible-type questions.
0: Did you do any mock interviews? No. Okay. All right. Walking out of that interview that day, did you feel that it went well?
1: I felt that it went well. Um, That interview, they did—like, I interviewed with two people. The first person was a student. The second person was a faculty member. I felt like I had a better rapport with the student because it felt—the conversation— was more easy and conversational. Um, but when I went to interview with the faculty member, he was talking more than I was. So I didn't feel comfortable about that. Like I answered his questions, but you know, he did most of the talking in an interview. Um, so overall I felt like I did okay, but I was still a little nervous as far as how would I fit at this school. Considering that it's out of state because I'm from Florida, the school was in um, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and I'm a non traditional student and the vast majority of the people at my interview day were like fresh out of college. So that kind of made me feel like, well, how do I fit in with the school or the class that they're trying to put together? Yeah.
0: Okay, so you get that interview, and you said that one was pretty early on. Mm -hmm. You submitted your ACOMIS application a little bit later,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, and you got an interview at a DO school. Yes. Did you prepare any differently for this second interview? Wait, first of all, did you know that you didn't get the acceptance before your other interview?
1: Yes. I found out that I wasn't accepted before I got my second interview.
0: Okay, all right. So... What sort of um, course correction or change did you put in place for the second interview, if any?
1: Well, this time um, I did more research on the school so that way when I went to my interview, I could be more comfortable in the interview to ask, to have questions prepared. Um, cause the first interview, I probably had like a couple questions prepare, prepared, prepared, mm-hmm. um, for my second interview, I think I wrote down like 10 questions. And, um, the second thing too was, I didn't think it was such a big deal at first, like, cause I borrowed my mom's suit, mm-hmm. but I was so uncomfortable at the first interview. And that may have been displayed in a way that may have made me seem uninterested or, or something. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm just speculating, but really going out to buy something that you like, that you're comfortable in, that makes you feel good, that makes you feel confident. I think that helps, you know, your confidence a whole lot more than, you know, what I did. So, you know, just planning out the questions, making sure I was comfortable in what I was wearing and how my hair was and such. Um, and, and it was closer to home too. So I felt better about that.
0: Okay. And obviously that day went well for you. How much how much later did you find out that you got accepted?
1: That was about a 3 to 4 week turnaround.
0: Okay. How were those 3 to 4 weeks waiting?
1: Um It wasn't as nerve-wracking as before because it's like well, well you know I had one interview I waited 8 weeks to find out that I didn't get accepted. So waiting those 3 weeks felt I'm not going to say easy, but it wasn't as hard as like those first 8 weeks. Yeah. And the school was very adamant about we will get to you guys within 2 to 4 weeks and they did. Like the the first notice they sent me was after 2 weeks saying, "Just to let you know your application is still under consideration." And then soon after that is when I got the acceptance letter.
0: A letter in the mail? Yes. And how was that?
1: That was exciting because when I opened the mailbox, and, you know, cause at that point I had been used to, like, I pick up a letter, I see it's from the school. It's very thin. It's like, okay, it's probably <laughs> another rejection letter. But that, when I opened the box and I saw that, I was like, no, this is too heavy to be a re- rejection <laughs> letter. Like I had, they must have accepted me. And I opened, I opened it at the mailbox Yeah. and I remember it just like jumping up and down. Like I was so happy. I called my mom and dad at work and I was like, I got in. My dad was like, no, no, are you serious? I was like, yes, I finally did it. Like, it was amazing.
0: That's awesome. I'm I'm sure there were many tears shed. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I remember when my, my mom called me because my, my acceptance letter went to her house in Colorado. I was living mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. And she called me. I was at work. And she's crying, and she tells me to sit down. I'm like, "Oh Lord, who died?"
1: Because
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. those were the phone calls that I always seem to get. I, 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 similar to you, had too many deaths in my family growing up. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, amazing that that's so exciting. I, I, um, the determination that you displayed, um, going through your undergrad and overcoming all the challenges in your undergrad, uh, overcoming. A lot of obstacles that were put in place by yourself just from, from not seeking out extra help right. um, and, and extra information. Uh, but then going and getting your MPH and getting another rejection and then going and, and doing this, the biomedical science stuff and then finally getting that acceptance is just amazing. And uh, I congratulate you on that. So thank you. You have started school now. You're yes. two days in as we're recording this. <laughs> yes. Uh, where are you?
1: I'm at Georgia campus, Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine.
0: Okay, so PCOM in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Awesome. How have the first two days been?
1: Um, very long, because we're in class from, like, 8 to 5. That's our schedule, like, every day, Monday through Friday, like, 8 to 5. Um... But, and that is, it's overwhelming in that I'm in class all day and then I have to come home and I still have to study. Um, but I think doing that master's in biomedical sciences, so for like, that that really has helped prepare me. Because we're taking anatomy and the good thing about it is this isn't the first time that I've seen gross anatomy. Yeah. Because we've are, I've done it. Um, we didn't have cadavers, but at least we still went over the same material. So that helps with, um, my course load. Like I've taken histology before, which we're going to be, I'm going to be taking this trimester as well. So, um, that's helping with some of the courses that I am taking. I'm happy that through my MPH and the biomedical sciences program, that some of these are courses that I've seen before. So that will help me like, not be like, Oh, this is the first time I'm seeing this material.
0: Yeah, that definitely helps, and I, I never understand why an undergrad advisor would tell somebody not to take anatomy or not to take right. something because they're going to have it in med school. Having right. having that recognition beforehand is great. What are you? Obviously, medical school is hard enough, but you're a mom. How are you handling that?
1: Um, it's difficult, and um, especially for my situation because. My daughter's not here with me right now. I made the choice to leave her at home right now while I get acclimated and get things, get used to my schedule, find her a daycare, get used to, because this is a brand new city to me. Yep. Um, the family that I do have here, they're like an hour away. So that's not conducive to helping with her. So, um, you know. That emotion, the emotional strain from not having her here with me right now, that's that's tough to to deal with. But, um, you know, I think once I get into a groove and, you know, find her a good daycare, then, you know, once she can be up here permanently, then um, I think once I get a stable footing, then I think I'll be able to try to coast through that. OK,
0: good. Well. Again, I, I congratulate you for getting in, for your perseverance, um, for for overcoming all these obstacles. I'm sure there will be more obstacles in the future, but it sounds like uh, you will overcome them. Uh, you'll, yes. You're, you'll figure out a way.
1: Yes, definitely. Right. <laughs> so,
0: so, Ashley, bef- before we end, for the pre-med mom out there, or for the pre-med dad out there that's still in their undergrad and and obviously is not as ignorant as we were going through, because they're listening to this podcast right now.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> what, what can you say to them to, to keep them motivated to keep pushing through all the obstacles that they're going to encounter?
1: Um, first thing I want to say is don't give up. If it's your dream, if it's your passion, you know that that's what you want to do, don't give up on it. Um, if you have family or friends that can help you with, you know, watching your kid is I had a lot of family back at home when I did my master's in biomedical sciences, utilize those resources because you have to keep up your GPA, um, do extracurricular activities. And lastly, like be flexible because, um, there were times where, yes, I had a plan, but you know, the baby may be crying or she may need something or she wants mommy to lay down with her and put her, put her to sleep. Like, you know, even sometimes if you just have flexibility in your schedule. So if you have to wake up after you put the baby to sleep and get in a couple hours or wake up earlier before the baby wakes up in the morning. But the biggest thing is don't give up on it. Keep trying, keep working at it and understand that your all your experiences that you're going through, especially as a parent, will help you in the long run throughout the application process.
0: All right. That was Ashley. Again, amazing story. Two master's degrees, having a child rejected from medical school multiple times. And I don't blame any of that on her going to Florida state. Sorry, Ashley I had to throw that in there. Um, a- amazing story. But you know what? As is As are most of the stories that, that I try to find for you here, these are amazing, inspirational stories of continued drive and continued motivation to keep pushing forward because Sylvia's dream, Ashley's dream, your dream is to become a physician. And if that's your dream, then no matter what happens, you, you figure out why something went wrong and you fix it. You course correct. So, Ashley, thank you for sharing your story. I'm sure it will help many people today as you tell it. I want to thank many people that gave us a wonderful rating and review. We have uh, a username that I will not try to pronounce, but says, I love listening to this podcast whenever I have some extra time. It is so informative, helpful, and encouraging. Keep up the good work, Dr. Gray. It's Nunyo Beeswax. That's actually what it is. It's very easy, to actually. Nunyo Beeswax. <laughs> um, from I Recommend, it says very informative and encouraging. It says, Ryan, I'm so glad you decided to follow your passion and calling on multiple levels. Um, that's awesome. It goes on. So thank you. I appreciate that. I recommend. So very unique username i don't know if it's as good as Nunyo beeswax el caballo blanco says this is the podcast to listen to i'm a non trad with a family who's finishing grad school and making the switch into medicine and dr gray's epitomized the attitude of what it means to be self-confident and successful in medicine thank you el caballo blanco And one more here from Sean Patrick Carroll. Thank you, Sean Patrick Carroll, for having a normal username that I can read. It says, Exceptional Podcast. As a current paramedic bringing my trek to medical school, Ryan has provided a plethora of information that has allowed me to establish a plan and the confidence to embark on this challenging journey. Highly, highly recommend. Thank you, Sean, for that. If you haven't left a rating interview and you would like to, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. Where you can uh, quickly leave a nice reading and review for us. If you don't have a nice thing to say, that's fine too. Just don't leave a rating and review. Shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Come find me on Twitter. I am at medicalschoolhq. I hope you got a ton of great information out of this podcast today. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the medical school headquarters. Are you still there? Did I scare you? I just wanted to uh, say thank you for listening all the way through. It's amazing that uh, you're here and listen every week if you're listening every week or just that you listen to the end of this. Uh, We have some exciting stuff coming forward. We actually have two new podcasts coming out. Uh, I'm working with a couple different people. I'll, I'll not name them yet but uh, it's a collaboration between myself and a couple other websites out there to bring you more information. One will be more of a question and answer uh, format um, for non-traditionals, more specifically, uh, is the collaboration that that one brings, and the other one's going to bring um, a lot of pre-med information, of pre-med news um, to you. So that's another collaboration, bringing bringing some information to to the podcast to a podcast so i hope you uh are excited for those and uh yeah i'm glad i'm here i'm glad you're here